G'day and welcome to the Beyond the Message podcast. Hey, it is great to have you here listening today. My name is Lockie. I'm the host of this experience. And really, my job is to help you navigate those 167 hours beyond Sunday or beyond the message so that you can grow in your faith all throughout the week. Now, the recent Queensland lockdown has just been lifted, but we do have lockdown chats part two, where we put a story out on Instagram asking for questions for these lockdown chats. And you answered with a whole lot of interesting, strange, wonderful questions. So this is part two of lockdown chats. Now, we did record this just in the tail end of the lockdown, even though we're out now. But this week, we're returning, hopefully, to our physical environments at this stage. And next week, we'll be back to a regular Beyond the Message podcast. But for now, I hope you enjoy all of your questions answered by Chris Riley and myself. Well, still in lockdown. Fellas, are we sick of it yet? What's been keeping us going? Honestly, Locke? I... I have, so I was waiting for your response <laughs> I was really hoping you'd egg me on because I have been holding on to what I think is like the most exciting piece of content um, on on Facebook of all places. I'm sure this is premiering in other places. I, you guys probably know I'm not fantastic at social media, but if there's one reason I have Facebook right now, it's because of the Sunshine Coast snake catcher. Um, these guys are insane. They catch like Eastern Browns, Red Belly Blacks, carpet pythons they do it all and honestly it just it pops up on my facebook and these videos are insane i have an incredible like just rush of adrenaline i think there's going to be a defining moment in my life where i do have to catch a snake and i want to be best prepared for that defining moment thank you sunshine coast snake catchers for being part of my preparation um they're awesome all for for north morton wow he, he's actually on the, he's on the social media north grind north Look at this guy, Stuart McKenzie, 29,000 followers Legend. on Instagram. And big props to Stu and the Sunny Coast yes. snake, snake Catcher team because I think they got their own doco coming out on, on Nat Geo, Snake Wranglers. So That's insane. Anyway, I'm I'm a big fan. And um, yeah, also just very informative and teaches you how to pretty much like, it's it's an educational experience at the same time. Um, I feel like they need a, a the warning. Like, you know how on, on TikTok at the moment, how every Olympic-themed TikTok has, like, a, a little warning on the bottom that's, like, this stunt is performed by professionals? This needs it. If anything on Instagram is going to have that little banner, this is yeah. this is what needs it. Well, they just, yeah, they equip you, they inspire you. Um, it's awesome. So that's wow. been my go-to throughout this this time. I just, <laughs> I just love how different our lockdowns are. Like, Riley's preparing for his defining moment of catching a snake. And I am just drinking lemon and lime sparkling water thinking it's the greatest thing ever it is the greatest like, thing ever we've established that what, Chris. what contrasting yeah well, like, so boring yeah obviously You're snake so cool. in lockdown that could happen at any time in the day i don't know when i i don't know when this is defining <laughs> moment at any time in the day of lockdown snake could appear and yeah. i don't know how to the response is not to wrangle the snake and try and pick it up sure. the team's very clear about that Call the Sunny Coast Snake Catchers. Probably not because I don't live up the Sunshine Coast. Probably go more local. But um, at the same time, Chris, at any time in the day, you could become parched. So I, I see a proactive response here. We're not being Important reactive. Important to stay hydrated. We're being proactive. That's, That's correct. So that that is wonderful. Well, let's get cracking with our questions. We asked on Instagram what you'd like us to talk about. It was kind of a vague, um, you know, a vague just invitation of like talk about, ask anything. And we got a collection of questions and 
again, they, there's no real theme. They're just questions and we love them. And we're going to talk about them today on this episode of lockdown. Um, I don't have any other title, creative title since the last time we got here, but I have a, <laughs> I have my first question for you, Riley. Um, and the, the I, I've, I've grouped some of the questions and this is just calf related questions. I can't remember any of the specific questions that we got in, but there was just a, a few similar to my beard just Baby around cows. your calf routine, your know, calf care, your calf oils. Exercise, not baby cows. Gotcha. Thought we your, were your legs. Are... I was oh. going to take notes while you tell us your calf workout routine, Riz. They're honest. No. Um, no, I'm actually really excited to share this. Let me just go to my own notes. Um, listen, I, to be totally honest, I haven't played team sport in so long. Not true. Actually played a couple of months ago with CP. Mm-hmm. Had a great game. Centre-back pairing. I, yeah, I think we're a, a good shot um, for the Division One Church League team. Um, but yes, yeah, my exercise has been outside the window. Um, outside the window? It's been thrown out the window, chucked out the window. So I can't really offer much on the exercise front. Calf routine side of things, though, if I was being honest, it's a it's a formula of discipline, um, mostly. And it actually starts with another habit that you can embed within your day. So it's a bit of a hybrid, which I think is actually one of the great ways we can do a habit without overloading ourselves with the need to do more. Um, formula of discipline is pretty much brush your teeth two times a day for two minutes whilst doing calf raises. Um, and make sure you just wear your joggers as you do it because you can kind of inflame there's like a, I don't know if it's a muscle or CP, you might know this. I think it's called the plantar fasciitis. It just sits at kind of the arch from the heel underneath your foot. If you do too many calf raises, physio, not me. I've got no idea. JP, hit us up. Let us know. Um, your plantar fasciitis. But you'll inflame it if you do calf raises for too long whilst being like without wearing shoes and the right heel support. At least this is my experience. Um, but yeah, outside of that, you know, we're meant to be brushing our teeth two times a day for two minutes, what a way to make the most of two minutes just whilst brushing your teeth. The thing is you're going to look absolutely ridiculous whilst you do it, but that's just part of the formula. Um, it's part of the discipline of it. Outside of that, I just say frame the calf when you go out in public, long pair of socks. <laughs> generally, generally I go a size down with my long pair of socks just to make sure that the socks actually sit below the bottom of the calf muscle. Um, so anyway, that's, I, why? that's what I say. Anyone can do it hundred percent money back guarantee. If you don't get a compliment within the week. Um, I had a goalkeeper coach, um, overseas who had Riley, I hate to say this to you, but his calves put yours to shame. And he swore by walking like, and bouncing on your toes. Like he would walk, but every time he would walk, he would like Ooh. finish with a, with a little calf pump. Yeah. Can I just say to my calves, it's actually, it's like, firstly, they're not, it really is just the socks thing. You just wear long socks. That's all it does. And also my, it's actually my mom. My mom just has these redonkulous like calf muscles. Um, <laughs> is your mom going to watch this? I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> She's an athlete. So maybe in the comments, <laughs> Michelle can tell us her calf routine. <laughs> oh, don't know. Don't You're just like exposing that. your mum so, so badly. But she's like, yeah, mum actually, mum grew up in PNG. So she used to, they would run cross country athletics tunnels, every like, everything like that would, would just be barefoot. So my image of mum when she was telling me about her sporting life was that she was just running through the forests of like PNG. Um, yeah. So anyway, 
take my mum back out of the podcast for a moment. My, my third point is, is that, yeah, the people I know CP that have giant calf muscles are the people who do walk on like their toes all the time. So there you have it. If you're looking for something to do within lockdown, you can focus on your calf muscle routine. Well, I'm glad we've kicked off this podcast on a great note there. Um, thank you, Riley, for an extensive response to calf-related questions. Um, but Chris, the first, well, sorry, I'm not even going to call it the first real question. It's the second real question. Yeah, Don't want to discount one. Riley's two-minute um, two calf minutes. kind of tactics. Just being real. Just being real. But Chris, this is yeah. a, uh, it's a great question. I guess we're starting on a similar note of kind of productivity, um, which I think is great. And the question goes like this, how to implement a weekly routine that will set me up for success. I also feel like there's a character limit to our questions. So potentially the question would be, how do I implement a weekly routine that will help me set up for success? But um, obviously Instagram questions come in a bit shorter. Yeah. But we're talking about weekly <laughs> routines. Chris, what do you reckon? Um, well, I th- and I, I hope that what I'm about to say is helpful for lockdown or non-lockdown. Um, I would say to- take the focus off what you do in a weekly routine and um, put the focus on more around who you want to become. So I think that's the first thing is like, who do you want to become as a person? And I really think that in, um, in life, we have two choices. Um, we can uh, live on purpose or we can live by accident. And I think, I, I know it's been true for my life uh, for a lot that, I've lived by accident. I'm just kind of like, I wake up, I don't really have a plan from week to week. And it's just kind of like, Oh, that's right. That uni assignment was due or, Oh, geez. Like I got that project due or um, so one of the things that, excuse me, that sparkling water is like making me burp. Um, One of those things that has been really, what'd you say, Riz? It can happen at any time. That's just, yeah. Trap for young players. Um, Don't drink while recording a podcast. Um, one of the things is uh, that has been really helpful for me is like planning an ideal week. And so I just kind of, I do that really simply in Google calendars. I just kind of go in and I have like a little template for like, Hey, if I had 100% control of my week, uh, what would it look like? And so then I segment like, um, you know, my days around specific themes and things that I um, find helpful. And so for me, I'll even give you a little rundown. Um, for me, I kind of am, uh, my Tuesdays are typically um, a day where I kind of get messages done and I uh, work uh, work in, you know, beyond and stuff. Um, Wednesdays is typically a day where I work on things. So working on projects or on like, you know, strategies or on developing relationships. Uh, Thursday is typically a day where I'm kind of like tidying up, getting ready for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Friday and Saturday I have off. And then Sunday is like a big day. That's kind of, physical services day. So I'm generally focusing on that. And then Monday is usually like an admin ad hoc day, like um, meetings or catching up with people one-on-one or getting things prepped. And that's the work section of the day. But then I also have time in the morning, um, my my, like morning uh, routine, and then things outside of beyond um, that I kind of factor in. And then I just plan my week and I kind of go, what are the, um, you know, does the way I plan this week, if I had a hundred percent control, um, help me become the person I want to become. And then the final thing I would say that I uh, <clears throat> was not great at, but I'm learning um, is to just schedule in margin. 
And what I mean by that is, you know, if you kind of schedule everything from 5am to 9pm at night, there's always, always times where things run longer and there's always, always times where things don't run to schedule. And I think if you schedule in some margin into your days and into your weeks, it just allows you to kind of like not feel like you're frantically rushing from thing to thing to thing. So sorry, I've just... So I've just zoned out for a little bit there, but we'll keep it in the podcast. Uh, you know, it's there. I was just too busy thinking about my idea week. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Chris, I was I, I was engaged. I did have a full up question in this. <laughs> I was. In- well, look, well, look, I just want to put my hand up as a student in the room and just say I was listening. Um, how long did it take you to kind of work with that rhythm, like? setting up your ideal week and everything like that was it a matter of like did you set it up one time and then just like great question like it was good to go because that's what was great great question i actually review mine on like a quarterly basis so it's probably it's been evolving for probably six years and what i have now does not look anything like it did six um six years ago Mm -hmm. and it's probably only been in the last nine months or so that I've gone to like an ideal week calendar kind of set up. I kind of had it in my head before and I just found after a few years that wasn't really working. Mm. And so I just kind of go back every quarter and kind of go, what works? What doesn't? What do I want to get rid of? What do I want to change? I've had different wake up times. I've had different, you know, different seasons. There's like football training in on a Wednesday night or it's on a Thursday night or I got games on the weekend and then you're out of footy season. And so your ideal week changes because you don't have footy on the weekend and just all sorts of things change. So yeah, I would say I've got a, a follow-up question as well because I too was paying attention. Um, like I know a lot of our listeners are between seventeen and twenty-five, which yeah. uh, is typically the age where you would study, or it's a mm. very common age to kind of have a few things on the go, such as study, work, anything else. So, h- how would you um, recommend that we set up our weeks? If you know, study and work, and like just a combination of different things are taking up um, those kind of, you know, eight work hours a day. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. at any stage, you're going to have your own family and relationship and extracurricular commitments, but just those kind of like eight hours a day, roughly, which we typically work. Yeah, I think it's a similar thing. Like plan the 100% of the things you can control. So for example, if, if you're at uni, my guess is that you want to become, um, that you're there because you want to become a certain type of person because you want to go into that industry, you want to acquire that knowledge. So I think it's really important schedule in your classes, schedule in time to study, schedule in time. Yep. Uh, you, you have to have a job because you need to have money to pay for things. So put it in the, Hey, when, when are my shifts normally on? Um, and then start to see and start to kind of go, Oh, okay. Wowzers. If I, if I want to actually become a great teacher or become a great lawyer, or if I want to become um, whatever it is you're studying, man, I kind of got to yeah, not sleep in till 11 o'clock or I kind of got to not stay up until 1am or I kind of maybe only can go out with friends three nights a week instead of six nights a week. Um, um, so I would just kind of say, be on the front foot with some of that stuff um, and be proactive as opposed to reactive. Yeah, too good. Well, moving gears, shifting gears, I should say, um, to Riley Brown. We've got a great question that's come in. Um, and this one's about the environment and whether or not the matter, sorry, whether or not caring about the environment matters to God. So um, Riley, what do you got about this one? Just watch, watch the Lorax. That's the answer. <laughs> I actually remember 
that was year eight. Year eight Christian studies for me was watching the Lorax and then doing an assignment. Great film. Have you seen the Lorax? Yeah, I love it. It's actually uh, Molly and I watched it recently, like Classic. on a Saturday night. Great Dr. film. Seuss. Little orange. I don't know what type of creature he is in the Doctor Seuss books. Um, great facial hair. We're pulling anyone into the podcast. Get the Lorax. Chris, you know the Lorax? Oh. I was on mute. No, I don't actually. I'm Googling the Lorax right now. Well, there you go. It's a great children's book. Um, but really when we were when we were looking at it, um, and Chris has just found out what the Lorax looks like. The dude. This guy's everyone on YouTube watched, watching this. Watch this movie. I think this is Danny DeVito who plays the Lorax. Um I don't know yep, if Chris is that way of me on the screen, but I, think I don't he, know where anyone is. Just point anywhere. So, anyway, and also in that, Taylor Swift is in that movie, um, and Zach Zac Efron as well. Great soundtrack, awesome soundtrack. What do I say? Watch the Lorax. Um, it's got some some great theological undertones. A lot of movies do, um, but when I was in year eight, I remember doing assignment Christian studies. Awesome, awesome teacher. We had to create a project, very service learning base. Um, but it was around watching the Lorax and then looking at this word of stewardship. Um, now, Chris, can you jump in with your bottom line of stewardship um, from our most recent series of God Just Wants Your Money? Yeah. So it's um, using God-given gifts and resources to achieve God-given goals and objectives. So I think when we look at this question of does caring about the environment matter to God, answer first and foremost, yes. I'd say yes in that like we haven't earned the environment we haven't earned the world that we're living in right now. We haven't earned earth. God has given that to us um, freely. And um, he's asked us to steward that as well. If we look at Genesis, you know, God actually invites us when we look at the creation story, actually calls us co-heirs. Um, so we actually get to partner with him uh, in creation. God has ultimate, like it is his creation. Earth is his creation. The environment his crea- is his creation, but he's given us the tools and the resources to actually steward uh, and, and care for our environment. Um, so I actually think when we look at stewardship, we can talk about both the matter of environment and how we can be great stewards. Um, but I think also recognizing that when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, we've been called to be leaders as well um, and actually lead what that change uh, looks like and lead how we steward, which I know for some people they are like, oh, I'm not a leader. If you're a follower of Jesus, uh, a follower of Jesus, then, then you're a leader. Um, and part of leadership as well as influence too. So when it comes to actually caring for the environment, again, what God has freely gifted to, gifted to us, it's a matter of steward and leadership. Think of other things in your life, resources that have been given to you, um, again, that you haven't earned, that God's blessed you with. We're in a series right now called God Just Wants Your Money, um, or we'll be jumping back into that really soon. Happy on with Chris, and I know we'll have some awesome stories there around your stewardship stories. Um, but I would just say like part of that is to like, it's actually recognizing being a steward is recognizing your privilege, your position, um, finances, like what you actually have within your hand and how you can best steward that your time, how you can best steward that your, your gifts, um, your own strengths as well. And how you can best steward and lead with that throughout your life too. And know that if we neglect these things, so if we neglect, you know, the, the time that we have, if we neglect how we actually use our money to best benefit those around us or to, to be generous, not just be generous, but generosity is who we're being called to be. Um, or if we neglect how we actually care for the environment, like ultimately we're going to fall at risk of becoming someone who abuses that 
um, or becomes a greedy person or, or really the opposite of who Jesus is hoping, is wanting to grow us in. Um, so yeah, I'd say 100% caring for the environment is such a big thing. Um, I know it's something that I need to take a seriously big kind of look at within myself. And I'm realizing now that there's so many things, even just within my household, how I can better care for the environment. One of the ones um, I found out a couple of months ago is your single use um, or your plastics. You know, your plastics that come, if you've got like bread or anything like that, you can hold on to those. You can take them down to Woolies and they'll dispose of them in a way that'll actually be good for the environment. I'm not saying go out and go tie yourself to a tree straight away or perform a big Lorax move. If you have read the book or seen the movie and trying to save the world all in one process, but hundred percent God has invited us to be great stewards and actually be co-heirs to his creation. And part of that is actually taking the steps to grow in that space. So if you're someone listening in and you have some great steps for that, please send them through because I'd be really keen to hear that. And I think it would be really encouraging to actually help lead other people as well. Yeah, that's really cool. I also like to think of heaven in this space as well. And I don't have a clear picture of heaven, don't know what it looks like. But when I think of heaven, one of the things I think of is like, will there, will there be rubbish on the beach in heaven? I'm like, I don't think God's idea of heaven includes like rubbish and litter. You know, will there be oppression? Will there be abuse of the land of, of the environment? I don't think that exists in heaven. So if it's not in heaven, then um, we should make an effort to, to do something about it here on earth. Um, so that's how I like to think of that as well. But great, great points there, Riley. Love the single use plastic. Love all that kind of stuff. Love finding new ways to care for the environment. So that's super helpful. Back to you, um, Chris. We, again, changing gears, changing gears to a completely different topic. I mean, that's what we asked for on Instagram, right? Um, but this one's about starting conversations about faith with people. And I'm going to assume this is about starting conversations about faith with people who aren't yet Christian or are not Christians. Mm. And it is really, how do I start that conversation with someone who is not yet a Christian? Yeah. My, my short piece of advice, I'm going to, I'm going to, Give it, and then I'm going to explain it. My first, my my very short piece of advice is don't, don't try and start a faith conversation with someone who isn't a Christian. And here's why I say that, um, because typically, a lot of the things we assume about this word that, that springs to mind when we think about evangelism, these having these faith conversations, is that is wrong in my opinion. Um, one of the one of the assumptions of traditional evangelism, I think, is that, you know. People are walking around, they have these big questions and they're just waiting for someone to come along and give them the answers to their big questions about life and meaning and purpose. And um, I just don't think that's true in my experience. You know, um, typically if I have questions about things, I go out and get answers about them. And even like we were talking about the environment um, and does the environment matter to God, which I agree it absolutely does. And one of the challenges when we hear people talking about, hey, the environment is really important. Caring for it is really, really true. Every, a, lot, a lot of people agree with that. But a lot of people just aren't thinking about it. And a lot of people just don't care, even if it is true, because they don't understand the impact it's having on their life. And so I think sometimes when we, it's the same with God. When we go out and we're like, hey, this is really important. It's true. It matters. People are like, okay, it might be true, but I don't feel like it matters to me. Um, and so there's been a bunch of research done which I kind of uh, think might be helpful for people as they're thinking about it. Um, and they, in this research, they talk about these five thresholds to faith. And most of them have nothing to do with starting a faith conversation to people. And they sort of say there's five thresholds that people who are kind of not Christians experience or think about in their journey to faith. Um, and the first one is simply trust. Do they trust a Christian? 
because um, the majority of people who aren't Christians don't know anyone who's a Christian and don't trust anyone who's a Christian. Um, so most people aren't looking for a question. What they're looking for is a friend. Um, hey, do I know someone who's a Christian? Do I trust them? Are they friends? Then as they become friends with someone, often people become curious, you know, like I actually got into F1 a little bit, dabbling in F1 racing um, last year. And driving or the watching? reason I got, pardon? Driving or watching? Driving, 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 driving. yeah, driving, driving F1 cars. Um, because one of my mates is really into F1 cars. And as we're talk- like hanging out a lot in lockdown and last year playing golf a lot, just started talking about F1s. I got really curious. And so I started asking him questions and I started kind of being like, wow, that's really interesting. Um, and so I think when we become friends, the, the second threshold is curiosity. People are kind of like, oh, that's kind of like interesting. Um, and then the third phase um, or the third threshold is this idea of change. When people kind of start to kind of think, hey, you know what, I'm not, I'm not just curious about it, but I kind of want to know what are some things I could do to maybe change my behavior or think about some ways that I might want to um, change some of my patterns and begin to embrace this. Then the fourth one is typically what most traditional evangelism is targeted at, the seeking phase. This is where it's like, you know what, I think there might be something to this and I've kind of really started to explore it. Maybe I've made a few changes. Now I've got some real genuine questions that I'm kind of, I'm reading books, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm just asking question after question after question. That's the seeking threshold. And then the final threshold is to follow. And I think if we want to have conversations with people about faith, first of all, we've got to stop treating people as projects and we've got to treat them as people that God created in his image that we're called to love. And part of loving someone really, really well is just kind of asking like, where are they at? Like, where are they at in their life? And that's kind of like figuring out where they sit on one of those thresholds, I think really helps love people well. Because if they just don't know a Christian and they just need a friend and they just need to trust someone, I'm not really interested in telling them that I think the four biographical accounts we have of Jesus's life are really important and you can trust them and all that um, sort of stuff. Um, I'm just kind of concerned with being their friend. And then as I become their friend, maybe we'll go through the different thresholds. That's so cool. I love your five points, Chris. This is the second time you've, you've given us a, a very clear answer with five That's clear coincidence. points. <laughs> Every answer is five clear points. So Riley, what are the five clear points as to why God created mosquitoes? Uh, I know I jumped into that very quickly, but that is the next question we're looking at. I love mm. this question. Mm. Um, the, why did God create mosquitoes? It's hard to pick the tone. Chris is laughing. Did you submit this? <laughs> Well, it's like, well, one, one hand of this question is like, you know, mosquitoes, like terrible diseases like malaria. There's this real question of like God and suffering in the world. Mm. And then the other side of the question is like, mosquitoes are annoying. Hey, I woke up the other night uh, and I got bitten on my big toe by a mosquito and it woke me up. I was like, damn mosquito. There's nothing worse than a mozzie in your tent when you're camping. I reckon that is just like, wow. So true. Yeah. Preach it. Preach. Point one. There is nothing (laughs) worse than a mozzie in your tent. Um, I actually think I might possibly be able to point, yeah, turn this into a five point. If I was to go to point two, I think one of the things we need to recognize about mosquitoes is that mosquitoes are vectors. So they're vectors of diseases, meaning they transmit a number of human diseases. And we know this looks like things like malaria and other mozzie transmitted uh, diseases, ticks and fleas as well. They're vectors. Point number three, however, there is an upside to mozzies. 
um, because mozzies, and I, I did a little bit of research on this, there are some genetically modified mosquitoes that have been created in labs to actually stop the spread of certain diseases. So because we have animals or insects like mozzies, we can actually stop the spread of diseases by you know, knowing that they're a vector, they can actually go out and can combat diseases because they'll actually travel with you know, the solution to the problem. Um, so that's a win. But that can also lead us down a rabbit hole again of the ethical, theological issues that some people have around genetically modifying animals. So or the government could roll out the vaccine a lot quicker by just feeding it to mozzies. Quite possibly. I actually think <laughs> last just, year, I read would about be this, so actually in a matter of mozzies. hours. Yeah, yeah. In Griffin as well, where the mozzie population, <laughs> I think, is times 10 of that or possibly anywhere else in the world. Oh, it's shocking. And definitely not true. Um, but point number four, bigger question at play. Um, mozzies do carry disease. Was this their original intended design to carry disease, which causes sickness and death? If we look at Genesis, the creation story, I don't think so from the point of Genesis. I don't think mozzies were meant or designed to kind of hurt people, but then we had sin and death that came into the world. So that's all very topical. But point number five, if we're coming from the kind of like that light humor and also dead set serious side of things, mozzies are an essential part of the food chain of a variety of, of probably some small mammals, reptiles, fish, and amphibians and one of those animals or more so one of those amphibians are axolotls and you guys know that i'm a big fan of axolotls and a world without axolotls would be a far lesser world than a world without mosquitoes so um to round out my five points lock that's that's how i end that conversation um but yeah it's it's the great it's a great question could we do a whole podcast around it i think so in fact if we're in lockdown a little bit longer we probably <laughs> run this out for a whole a whole month I like it now because uh, podcasts don't typically have a comment function, but because this is on YouTube, you can comment below, um, you know, some more questions or some more questions. Sorry, I already said that. More comments about mosquitoes. Uh, we'd love to know. So if you've got any mosquito-related uh, insights, please let us know. I'd love to find out. Or just ask us your mosquito-related questions. Riley will, Riley will find an answer. <laughs> Or That's if you're so looking good. for questions around axolotls as well, more than happy to contribute to that too. The Mexican walking fish, a fine, a fine specimen, um, a great household pet, but also again, mosquitoes, vital part of the food chain. Um, and also a big, um, yeah, a big part of the diet of axolotls. So more than happy to host an episode around that too, of the lockdown. Very lockdown good. Podcast. That's what we're calling it. <laughs> I like it. Well, thanks for tuning in again to this uh, second episode of our lockdown podcast. We hope to be back to normal, but as we know, that's out of our control. So we'll see how many more of these we get to do. Keep the questions rolling in via Instagram, via the comments here. We would love uh, love to answer more of your questions, whether it's about faith or life or relationships or even mosquitoes. We could not be more excited to answer those for you. So thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you hopefully soon.